Imagine you're texting your partner. They're at the bank and they told you they've finished withdrawing some cash. They're on their way to the car. All seems well and good, but then 10 minutes later, you get a strange message. It's a word, but not one you've seen before. You figure it's a typo, so you ask them what they mean. But they just shoot you another text with the exact same phrase over and over again. Then silence. That night, they don't come home. You never hear from them again. Of course, you'd assume the worst. What if they were abducted, using their last precious moments to send you a cryptic clue? Or maybe you were dumped and they ran off with the money. No matter what it was, the strange message would likely haunt you forever. That's basically what happened in 1947, when Stendek, a puzzling phrase, beamed through the radio waves in Morse code right before a disappearance. But it wasn't a person that went missing. It was an entire plane. With no sign of the wreckage, family members had no idea what happened to their loved ones. And soon, theories emerged. Because, as we know, things don't just vanish. They disappear for a reason. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Monday and Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. This is our one-part episode on the mysterious crash of the Stardust, a small commercial airplane that vanished over the Andes Mountains in Argentina in 1947. But seconds before it disappeared, it sent out a final mysterious clue in Morse code that read Stendek. To this day, No one knows what it means. Today, we'll investigate three conspiracy theories about what happened to the stardust and the meaning behind the enigmatic message. Some believe the flight was taken down by a bomb as part of a corporate sabotage. Others say extraterrestrials could have abducted the aircraft as retribution. But maybe the plane was never found because that's exactly what the government of Argentina wanted to happen. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Bottling everything up can be really bad for you in the long run and have some terrible consequences. And this isn't a conspiracy theory. The more you let things build up, the more of a toll it can take on your mental health. I know for me, in dealing with some traumatic events in my life, I had the tendency to think, well, they've already happened. I'm okay. Other people have it worse. It doesn't matter much. And through therapy, was really able to understand how those events impacted me and changed how I'd start to see the world in ways that weren't great and were sometimes making my life worse. So therapy or dealing with any traumatic events you've had might really help you in terms of how you can live in the present moment now. 
So if you want to give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also really easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com conspiracy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash conspiracy. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. During World War II, the British Army used a small airplane, model named Avro Lancaster. It was a forceful machine powered by four Rolls-Royce car engines. It could fly up to 280 miles per hour and reach heights over 24,000 feet. At the time, it was England's most effective bomber. Eventually, the war ended. A need for battle aircraft declined, but demand for recreational travel soared. Suddenly, wealthy Brits were itching to get out of town. It was a bit like coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic. Those who'd been hunkering down for years were now dreaming of vacations in places like Argentina, Brazil, Chile, and the Caribbean. So the UK government created a commercial airline called the British South American Airways, or BSAA. But they needed planes powerful enough to fly from Europe to South America and clear the Andes Mountains. This immense range between Argentina and Chile is home to the second highest peaks in the world. Luckily, they had just the plane in mind, the Avro Lancaster. British engineers converted these bombers into small passenger planes, and by 1946, they were fully operational. But in September of that year, the BSAA made its first fatal mistake. A plane named the Star Leader ascended from an airfield in Banjul, Gambia. Due to unknown complications, the pilot lost control of the aircraft and crashed two miles from the runway. 20 passengers and four crew members died in the accident. The BSAA's safety record wasn't off to the best start. But even after this catastrophe, BSAA had plenty of customers, probably because if you wanted to fly to South America from England, they were the only option. So the risky flights continued. 11 months later, a gleaming Avro Lancaster called the Stardust prepared for takeoff. Its route, Buenos Aires, Argentina to Santiago, Chile. The path was treacherous. Crossing the Andes Mountains in harsh winter weather required highly skilled professionals, but the BSAA believed they had the best. 
The Stardust's flight crew were all veterans of the Royal Air Force. The pilot had flown in dozens of combat missions, and his first officer had logged 2,000 flight hours. Between all the members, they had about 30 trips across the Andes. The Stardust was in good hands. Before takeoff, the pilot examined a weather chart, but the conditions on their route weren't looking good. A blizzard raged in the Andes, and it would be nearly impossible to see through the storm, which meant the plane's six passengers were in for a ride. Still, on August 2nd, 1947, around 1.46 p.m., the plane took off. The flight time from Buenos Aires to Santiago was only three hours and 45 minutes, and they had enough fuel for a six-hour trip. Using Morse code, the plane's radio operator maintained hourly contact with Santiago's Los Cerrillos airport. At 5 p.m., the stardust signaled it was at an altitude of 20,000 feet. The ground was obscured by clouds, but the pilot knew he was over the city of Mendoza, Argentina. Now, he was about to cross the Andes. On the ground at Santiago's airport, a radio operator received a Morse code message from the stardust. The communication was, ETA Santiago, 1745 hours. Basically, the plane would be arriving four minutes late, but the message ended with a curious word the operator had never heard before. It sounded like this. Translation, S-T-E-N-D-E-C, Stendek. The operator had no idea what that meant, so he asked the co-pilot to repeat, it fired back twice in short succession, loud and clear. Stendek, Stendek, and then... Nothing. The operators stared down the runway, but there was no silhouette careening from the mountains. No soft explosion in the distance. Just silence. The stardust had vanished. Operators continued sending messages throughout the night, hoping the pilot had taken a different route. None of their calls were answered. By the next morning, August 3rd, a rescue mission was underway. Argentinian air fleet soared over the peaks while the Chilean mountain troops hiked through the blizzard for signs of a wreck. Altogether, Search parties scoured hundreds of square miles of harsh Andes Mountains for the missing plane. After nine hours, the international effort found nothing. The BSAA knew exactly which route the plane had taken, and besides that cryptic message, the Stardust gave no indication anything was wrong. Those who grew up in the Andes were sure of one thing. If the plane went down, the passengers were almost certainly dead. Even if the pilot landed the plane safely, they would have starved or frozen to death by now. So after a few days, the Argentinian and Chilean governments called the rescue mission off. In the end, authorities didn't have any wreckage, any bodies, or any idea of what had become of the doomed aircraft. In lieu of answers, theories emerged. And given the growing tensions between Argentina and the United Kingdom, 
One explanation seemed shockingly possible. Perhaps the plane had gone missing due to an international conspiracy. Coming up, emissaries, explosives, and extraterrestrials. Hi, it's Carter, here to tell you about a very special episode airing this week on my series Cold Cases. In honor of May being missing and Unidentified Persons Awareness Month, we're welcoming in Sarah Turney from the podcast Disappearances to help examine the mystifying circumstances surrounding the high-profile case known as The Boy in the Box. For nearly 70 years, people all over the country wondered, who is America's unknown child? How did he die? And will we ever learn the truth? A forensic breakthrough would ultimately provide his identity, Joseph Augustus Zarelli. But as you'll come to find out, that was just one piece of the mystery. It was an absolute pleasure to team up with Sarah to tell this story. I hope you enjoy it. Follow Cold Cases to hear this episode right now. Listen free only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Now back to the story. On August 2nd, 1947, a small passenger aircraft called the Stardust sent a cryptic message on its way from Argentina to Chile. The Morse code signal spelled out Stendek, But after an extensive search of the Andes Mountains, nobody found a trace of the doomed aircraft. The plane vanished into thin air, literally. The head of the British South American Airways, Don Bennett, was tasked with damage control. He was a decorated wartime pilot, very severe, all business, and he was furious. How was it that not one iota of the plane had been found Yet both countries were giving up on the search. The disappearance didn't look good for the airline. Bennett likely hoped if they found the plane, it would prove the airline wasn't at fault for the matter. In fact, he believed his company was a victim. Which brings us to our first conspiracy theory. The plane was sabotaged by assassins. Ever since 1833, Argentina and the UK had a tense relationship. That year, British soldiers invaded the Falkland Islands off the coast of Argentina. They had kicked Argentinian officials off the island and occupied the land ever since. When populist president Juan Domingo Perón took office in 1946, he made it clear he was fervently anti-British and he may have found a way to get back at the country for its occupation a full century later. Before the plane took off, a man named Paul Simpson came on board. He was toting a white canvas sack, but this was no average carry-on. Oh no, see, Simpson was a king's messenger. He was hand-delivering confidential British documents across the globe for King George VI. 
So his pouch was fastened with a tamper-proof seal and, due to its diplomatic status, couldn't legally be opened, weighed, or x-rayed. In fact, the contents of Simpson's bag still remain a secret to this day. Whatever these files were, it was important they got to Chile safe and sound. But it's possible that Argentina's President Perón didn't want that to happen. To intercept the package, he only needed to slip a small explosive on board the Stardust, set a timer for a few hours into the flight, and then boom. Problem solved. Well, this theory really took flight six months after the crash when another BSAA aircraft ran into some trouble and made sabotage look a lot more likely. In January 1948, a BSAA plane departed from a Portuguese island headed to Bermuda. The plane, named the Star Tiger, carried 25 passengers and a six-person crew. The craft veered wildly off course but gave no distress signal. Half an hour later, it was gone. No one on board was seen again. At first, no one knew why the Star Tiger was so far from its destination. But investigators determined, quote, some external cause may have overwhelmed both man and machine. In response, the Minister of Civil Aviation grounded all BSAA planes of the same model and initiated an investigation into the airline. However, there was one man that fought hard against the inquiry, Don Bennett, the no-nonsense director of the BSAA. While the head investigators suggested something mechanical might have malfunctioned, Bennett knew his planes were safe. So he wrote the minister a letter with the heading, Secret. The letter started, quote, My dear minister, obviously the most likely cause of the loss of the Star Tiger is sabotage. After preliminary discussions with members of MI5, we felt there was very good cause for investigating possible criminal aspects of the loss of this British aircraft. According to Bennett, a known war-registered saboteur was spotted loitering close to the airplane before its ill-fated flight. He claimed this operative had been hired by a powerful North American competitor to take down BSAA one plane at a time. And they had a pretty good motive, too. If the company could paint BSAA as unsafe, they'd have the valuable Caribbean trade routes all to themselves. If this was just a one or even a two-time thing, then allegations of a coordinated conspiracy might seem a little unjust. But it wasn't. A year later, another BSAA aircraft disappeared. In January 1949, the Star Ariel set off from Bermuda to Jamaica. Soon after takeoff, the pilot communicated its position. But once the plane reached 18,000 feet, it seemingly vanished, as if it had ascended straight into heaven. It too was never found. Don Bennett speculated it was once again sabotage, the Stardust. Star Tiger and Star Ariel all disappeared from the air, and a British enemy had to be the reason. He suspected each plane had been taken down with some sort of bomb. Bennett carried this belief to his grave, but not many others shared this sentiment. To me, it sounds like Bennett might have just been in denial 
about his responsibility for so many deaths. It's probably easier to imagine himself as the target of conspiracy than to accept his faulty planes were to blame. I hear ya. Plus, Bennett was a war vet and might have harbored some biases. Eventually, the airline had enough of his shenanigans and fired him, partly due to these theories. There's another reason why a mid-air explosion isn't likely, though. When a plane is blasted from the sky, the debris is picked up from the wind and carried for miles. For instance, when the bomb ripped apart Pan Am 103 in 1988, scraps were scattered over an area almost three times the size of New York City. But at the time, not a single piece of the stardust was found. Fair enough. But perhaps then these three planes were victims of a different kind of sabotage. Not one over earthly goods, but for something truly out of this world. Which brings us to our second conspiracy theory. The stardust and everyone inside was abducted by extraterrestrials. Maybe as payback. Months before the stardust took off, people all over the United States reported seeing bizarre objects in the sky. In June 1947, a pilot spotted nine saucer-like crafts flying near Mount Rainier, Washington. The story was one of the first big breaks in UFO history. A few weeks later, in early July, a farmer stumbled upon something even stranger. Spread out across his property were shiny rubber strips, tinfoil, and some sort of rough paper. He assumed it might have come from one of these so-called flying saucers. Oh, come on. You know what we're talking about here. It happened just outside a little place called Roswell. Eventually, the army stepped in to investigate. And what happened next confirmed the suspicions of many UFO believers. On July 8, 1947, Officer Walter Hott issued a statement that said the intelligence office had, quote, gained possession of a disk. In other words, the Army had captured a possible alien spaceship. They would dismantle and pick apart the UFO until they knew more about what was going on above. Then, less than a month later, the stardust mysteriously vanished. But perhaps that was to be expected. We'd just seized a spacecraft, so maybe the aliens were just returning the favor. An eye for an eye, a saucer for a plane. Exactly. Well, this might explain how the stardust seemed to evaporate into the ether. Perhaps the plane was caught in some kind of extraterrestrial vacuum and beamed into space, never to be seen again. We know this theory requires a stretch of the imagination, but consider that enigmatic final message, Stendek. No aviator had heard the phrase before. Stendek wasn't part of any known modern language. Not any human one, at least. Perhaps Stendek was a warning from an alien adversary. Remember, it was repeated three times before the stardust went silent. So Stendek was no accident. Someone or something wanted us to hear it. A few other mysterious incidents seem to back up this claim. After the star Ariel disappeared, a massive search party failed to find any remnants of the plane. But they did discover something even more startling while looking for the lost airliner. 
Both a U.S. bomber and a British airliner independently reported a strange glow, one that shone like a spotlight on the surface of the ocean. But as they got closer, they couldn't find anything that could have given off the light. No raft, no survivors, no flashing electrical devices. They hoped the illumination would lead them to the plane. Instead, it just gave them the creeps. Even with modern aircraft, there are other instances of planes getting potentially abducted out of the sky. For instance, in 1978, a young pilot named Frederick Valentich took off in a rented plane. But as the sun set, he called the air flight service asking for help. Apparently, he was being pursued by a metallic flying object with a glowing green light. During the transmission, he said, quote, It seems to me that he's playing some sort of game. But if it was just playing a game, Valentik certainly lost. Because not long after, both he and his plane vanished. Like the stardust before him, no one knew what had happened or where he'd gone. Admittedly, though, Valentik could have just crashed somewhere remote. And honestly, the transmission he sent wasn't surprising. He was apparently obsessed with UFOs, so maybe he just had an overactive imagination. But some believe that's exactly why he was taken. That perhaps he got too close to the truth. Sure, maybe, Carter. But let's go back to the planes themselves for a minute. According to some experts, the star Ariel had a design flaw that made it more flammable than your average aircraft. Likely, the plane exploded and sunk into the sea. Fair enough, but if the same thing happened to the Stardust, how come nobody found the wreck? A mountain doesn't just swallow planes whole, but an alien spaceship might. I'll give you that. And yes, the 1940s were a peak time for UFO sightings, but it's more likely it was the world who was taken by aliens rather than the Stardust. All in all, the evidence here is pretty thin. I agree, and we've spent a lot of time discussing why the Stardust might have crashed, but a bigger question here is, where did it go? This brings us back to what we mentioned at the beginning of the episode. Things disappear for a reason, and perhaps that reason is the government didn't want that plane to be found. Coming up, we explore the secret behind Stendek. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use gift mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Now back to the story. In 1947, a British aircraft called the Stardust disappeared during its flight across the Andes Mountains. But before it vanished, the on-flight radio operator sent a puzzling clue in Morse code just before the plane went AWOL. It was a strange phrase nobody had heard before. Stendek. In the days following, news reports flooded the airwaves. One of them was especially attention-grabbing. It said that the Stardust had precious cargo on board, namely 70 bars of British gold. This brings us to our third and final conspiracy theory. The Stardust was a completely normal plane crash, but the Argentinian government orchestrated a cover-up to make sure it was never found. While the news report about gold might sound rich, a deal between Argentina and England makes it a little more plausible. At the time, the UK was buying massive amounts of Argentinian beef, but their usual currency, sterling silver, was losing value. So Argentina asked to be paid in gold. The UK just needed a safe way to deliver the payment. Which brings us back to Paul Simpson. Remember the King's Messenger? Well, usually these officials carry documents that fit in a tiny briefcase, but Simpson was lugging a heavy canvas sack so large that it filled the entire seat next to him, and he wasn't allowed to take his eyes off the cargo. Perhaps because it wasn't filled with paper, but instead with gold. There was little chance the passengers could survive in the blizzard-drenched mountains, but the Argentine army continued hunting feverishly long after they knew the passengers were gone, perhaps for that sack of gold. The myth of the golden plane took hold in Andes mountain towns. There were even rumors the local people discovered the stardust wreckage and lived off the findings. In 1972, that legend actually came true. Villagers of a small town did plunder gold coins from a downed plane, but it wasn't the stardust. As far as anyone knew, the king's money was lost. But why, if the wreck was worth millions, did the Argentinian government give up looking for it? Well, some locals thought the soldiers did find the crash site and the gold. But it contained a secret so dark, they had to keep it hidden from the world. The Stardust's passenger list seems straight out of a Sherlock mystery. Along with the King's messenger, there was a 67-year-old woman named Martha Limpert, who was transporting her husband's ashes. Limpert was an expat who lived in Germany during Hitler's reign and was returning to Chile after her partner passed away. She was determined to bring her husband home, even in an urn. But while Limpert seemed like a sweet old lady, 
It's possible she was less innocent than she put on. Because of its cultural ties to Germany, Argentina favored the Axis powers during World War II. When the war ended, Argentina's president, Juan Domingo Perón, sent his agents to Europe. He even provided documents to help some Nazis escape to South America. So some Argentinians believe the Stardust was a plane filled with German war criminals. And for all we know, Martha Limpert may have been one of them. When the aircraft spiraled into the snowy peaks, the government may have whisked the ruins away so no one would know there were Nazis on board. Plus, they'd be able to keep the gold for themselves. Nazis, gold, it's a lot to digest. The Argentinian press did report there was gold on board, but they said a lot of things. It doesn't necessarily mean it was all true. Besides, the plane was heading to Chile. If the UK was delivering money to Argentina, there's no reason it'd even be on that flight. Well, some said it was going to another Latin American bank located in Santiago, Chile. The bigger issue is, according to a British captain, King's messengers were never asked to carry precious metals. So the idea he'd be toting heavy gold bars was kind of out of the question. Plus, there's no evidence Martha Limpert or anyone else on board had affiliations with the Nazi party. I just don't really see this as a viable theory, more a mixture of folklore and legend. But with a passenger list that sounds like an Indiana Jones movie, it's easy to see why Nazis, aliens, and saboteurs are all blamed for the tragedy. For 50 years, that's kind of all we had. That is, until half a century later, because in 1998, the impossible happened. That year, 23-year-old Argentinian climbers Pablo Reguera and Fernando Garmendia trekked into the Andes on a dangerous pilgrimage. They conquered mountainous peaks no one had before and survived. They crested the summit of Mount Tupangato, over 21,000 feet above sea level. But eventually, they turned back. It was just too risky. On their way down the Tupangato Glacier, Regera saw something glinting inside a pillar of ice. It was a chunk of metal, and engraved into its side were the words, Rolls-Royce. It looked like an engine. As the duo looked around, they discovered pieces of an electrical wiring system, wingtips, and a fuselage. They saw slices of a pinstripe suit preserved in the glacial cold. In one of the most remote parts of the world, they realized he'd found a plane wreck. When they returned home, they told others about their discovery. Many wondered if they'd solved the mystery of the stardust, but it only raised more questions. Rescuers had searched that area 50 years prior, and mountaineers had hiked it many times since. Nobody knew why the wreckage had laid undiscovered for so long. The Argentine army called a press conference, and nearly two years later, in January 2000, the time was finally right to return to the Andes. But they only had a small window. It was now or never. The army prepped equipment and supplies for a hundred soldiers, 
a convoy of trucks and mules made its way through the frozen peaks toward the wreck. After days of camping in the bitter cold, they found metal shards and something far more disturbing. The soldiers followed a trail of scattered bones to a human torso with one arm attached, frosted white from the cold. They discovered two more torsos and a young woman's hand, carefully manicured, severed at the wrist. Investigators determined the abandoned engine was the same kind used in an Avro Lancaster plane. The pinstripe material matched a passenger's suit. The hand likely belonged to a young stewardess. Without a doubt, this was the Stardust. And with the crash site found, aviation experts could finally analyze the debris. The Army's first major discovery had to do with the plane's giant wheels found just a few yards apart. One was still fully inflated 50 years later. If the pilot had attempted a landing, the wheels would have been destroyed. But with one wheel untouched, it meant they were probably retracted when the plane crashed. Argentina's lead investigator uncovered another important piece of the puzzle, the Stardust propeller. It was scarred and bent at a violent angle, which suggested it was still spinning on impact. This meant the engine was running smooth as butter. Essentially, the collision was a complete surprise. But if the engine was functioning, what caused the crash? A navigational mistake seemed to be the only possibility. Except the pilot was extremely experienced. He'd made this same trip many times before, even in terrible weather. It didn't make sense for him to make such a fatal mistake. Aviation experts had a theory. They pored over weather charts and realized that part of South America was ideal for a phenomenon called a jet stream. A jet stream is a fast-moving column of air caused by the shifting temperatures in the Earth's atmosphere. At very high altitudes, they whip by at incredibly fast speeds. During World War II, Allied aircraft sometimes became trapped in these confusing high-velocity airflows, but it wasn't until 1952 that the UK fully understood the phenomena. So as experienced as the Stardust's pilot was, he wouldn't have known about it at the time. Instead, as he approached the Andes, he would have soared to 24,000 feet directly into the stream of air, one that blew up to 200 miles per hour, right into the nose of the plane. This wind would have slowed the Stardust to a crawl. On any other day, the pilot would have been able to see the speed change by looking at the ground below, but tragically, the storm kept him from seeing beyond the cockpit. The pilot likely thought he was clear of the Andes, when in reality, he hadn't even made it past the summit. He might have pushed into a controlled descent directly into the side of the mountain. But this still doesn't explain why the stardust vanished, nor why it suddenly reappeared 50 years later. Let's address the re-emergence first. The army found the plane's fragments and human remains scattered around the Tupangato Glacier. But glaciers are mammoth blocks of ice. They melt, and most importantly, they move. 
Glaciers can drift up to 98 feet per day. Since the Argentinian hikers discovered the stardust in a glacier, that means it couldn't have been the original site of the crash. The initial wreck must have occurred much higher up on Mount Tupangato, where it was covered with snow, which meant one thing. The wreckage may have disappeared thanks to an avalanche. This snow may have rained down on the small plain, battering it deep under the ice. As the search party combed over the area, the stardust could have been right beneath their noses, but all they could see was white. After half a century, the glacier may have drifted down the summit like a floating cemetery with the stardust trapped inside. As it approached a lower altitude, it ran into higher temperatures. Ever so slowly, the ice melted and the stardust emerged from its frozen grave. This theory was presented by Argentina's lead investigator on the 2000 search, so it's pretty sound. But it still doesn't explain the mysterious phrase, Stendek. Some noted that Stendek was an anagram for another word, one that makes sense for a plane hurtling into the frozen ground. Descent. Perhaps the radio operator scrambled the letters accidentally, but it's a stretch. He would have needed to make that exact same mistake three times in a row. It's more likely that Stendek was a result of a miscommunication. Stendek sounds confusing in English, but again, here's what it sounds like in Morse code. Morse code relies on a series of dots, dashes, and spaces to represent letters. If those elements are out of order or timed differently, the word could be misinterpreted. For instance, some believe the operator meant to spell the phrase S-C-T-I space A-R. S-C is the code for South America and T-I, Transport International. S-C-T-I in full was the airport code for Santiago's Los Cerrillos Airport. AR was a procedural signal that meant end of message. Altogether, you have a quick sign-off that says Los Cerrillos Airport, over. And in Morse code, S-C-T-I-A-R and Stendek sound almost exactly alike. For instance, here's Stendek. And here's S-C-T-I-A-R. You'd need a really good ear to distinguish the two, but there are other possible combinations as well. For instance, losing the first two dots of Stendek and adding a space creates another probable message, E-T-A, late. And if the operator was frantically trying to send a message, it'd take a lot of discipline to slow down and add the right spaces. Imagine typing out an email 24,000 feet in the air in the midst of a brutal snowstorm without autocorrect. It's possible Stendek was the world's most famous typo. We'll probably never know what the message meant. Stendek could have been a standard sign-off, or it could have been the last words of an operator letting the world know he was doomed. Regardless, he wasn't alone. 72 fatal air accidents occurred in 1947. The Stardust was just one of them, 
But the reason it sticks in our minds is because of that small, mysterious word, Stendek. The glacier that swallowed the stardust might never reveal all of its secrets, but it's shown us something equally important. The only thing that grabs our attention more than a terrible tragedy is a good conspiracy theory. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. We'll be back next time with a new episode. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. We're here on Mondays and Wednesdays with all new episodes. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories is a Spotify original from ParCast. Our head of programming is Julian Boireau. Our supervising sound designer is Russell Nash, with Nick Johnson as our head of production and quality control by Lisa Marie Gallegos. Ryan O'Leary-Jones is our supervising editor, and Derek Jennings is our writing lead. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by Ben Caro, edited by Karis Allen, Angela Jorgensen, and Lori Marinelli, fact-checked by Cara Mackerleen and Haley Milliken, Researched by Mickey Taylor and Sapphire Williams. Produced by Joshua Kern with sound design by Juan Borda. Our hosts are Molly Brandenburg and me, Carter Roy. Carter Roy.